Powered by Go Goat Sports in partnership with TSN. It is episode 37, season four of the Rain Dregs Hockey Podcast, presented by our title sponsor, Canadian Club Whiskey. Now, Ray, I know you're in Florida. I can't tell because you don't have an ocean background. You've got a hotel room background. You're there for the All Star. But man, we'd be remiss if we didn't start the podcast talking about that golf experience, break, holiday. Call it whatever you want to call it that you just enjoyed this past week. How how nice was that? Well, it was amazing. I mean, first off, we were in in Scottsdale, and while the weather wasn't great the first couple of days, that meant you had to have on kind of like a like a pullover, you know, yeah, and yeah. and pants. You couldn't wear shorts. The last day was shorts and golf shirt, and played seven rounds in four days, and. A little bit of a wrist injury here, a little tired, oh, you know. So may, maybe if you've ever played desert golf, if you get off, if you get off the green stuff, they call it the yeah. wash, and the wash is basically a bunch of rocks and uh, right. pretty easy to. Who's in the wash? I got to be honest with you. So um, uh, played okay a few times, yeah, yeah, played okay, pretty pretty happy with the way I played. But man, the the place we were at was is just a, an amazing place. It's called Whisper Rock and. It is, uh, nice. it is really, really cool place. So good guys, good trip. And then jumped on a plane yesterday and got to Florida here for the all-star game. Just reinvigorating. All right. Oh. You know, we're so accustomed in our world of not being able to get that break in to just, you know, get away from the world, you know, not just hockey and, and everything that you've got, you know, going on, but yeah. just, I, we know that how, you know, you love golf. I love golf, but yeah. to be able to squeeze three, four, five days in like that, Man, that recharges the best. It's, it's 20 years I've been in the broadcast side of things. I've never done it before. And it was awesome. And the other thing is, I know you're up in the cold in Thunder Bay and visiting your daughter. and But um, a blast of sunshine and a little warmth. Oh, my God. Does that go a long way here in the, you know, in the, in the cold and the winter? It just feel, sure. felt like it was a real gift to get that kind of kind of couple of days good for you hanging out with buddies that always helps speaking of we've got dave nonis former nhl general manager he's going to drop by we haven't talked to dave in a few weeks but it's it's timely right i mean the trade deadline now is right around the corner the horvat trade get some response to that well actually we'll get your thoughts on it coming up in a minute here as well but uh, i want to talk to dave about how we in the media just assume that a trade of that magnitude between Vancouver and the Islanders can trigger something. You know, it kind of first domino in that process is that media contrived or is that real? So uh, former GM Dave Nonis will stop by the podcast as he often does. Headlines again this season presented by our good pals at Boston Pizza. All right, you're in Florida. You're there for the All-Star and a lot going on in Florida. I think the NHL just continues to improve on this weekend, year by year. And and it, it's not just, you know, the input and the investment from the NHL or the Players Association or the multiple sponsors that make this such a, a fun event, but it is the buy-in rate from the players. And if you want to go back a decade ago, as the NHL was trying to, you know, embrace the entertainment value of, of the All-Star you know, the players were reluctant, right? They're like, ah, eh, that's not in our DNA to to do the razzle-dazzle, right? We just, we want to get here. We want to shake hands, take pictures, you know, 
half-ass the game, but that's it. Now you've got full personality and buy-in, don't you? And I'm reminded by that because they had the media availability, the Players' Day, and obviously everybody's going to Ovechkin, they're going to Crosby, they're going to McKinnon, they're going to the stars of of today and, and yesteryear. But Ovechkin, whether he said it in his scrum or wherever he said it, he talked about Sidney Crosby and he just he looked to the future and said, I can't wait for the day when Sid and I can meet and have a couple of beers and just mm-hmm. talk about our experiences. How how much would you love to be sitting at that table when those two guys post-career sit down and talk about, remember when I did this to you and remember when, you know, I mean, yeah. isn't that part of what All-Star Weekend is all about, that sort of openness and fun? Yeah, you see people you don't have any real connection to, but you played against for a long time and you, you know, there's always some event or something going on. You know, you were talking about how 10 years ago and to now when the players have opened up, don't forget, Dregs, this used to be called the All-Star Game, and now it's called the All-Star Weekend. And the reason it's the weekend is because it's the skills, it's the events around it, it's the sponsor stuff, um, yeah, it's a good more point. media, yeah. more availability. And the other part is the younger players, they're, they're not in the mold that we grew up with, which was to be pretty yeah. tight, to be pretty... You know, you don't say much, you don't share much. And the players today, they've they've grown up their whole life being videotaped by their parents on every, you know, yeah. here I am at the first grade play, here I am at, you know, whatever. And so they don't care. They're comfortable. And the more that they can be comfortable, the better it is for the game. As for Ovi and Crosby, they're so unique. I mean, two literally once in a generation players that came along in the same generation, which rarely happens. Yeah. To play in the same division all those years, all those different playoff battles and regular season battles and what Sid did and what Ovi did, and it was easily comparable. And they have taken each of their franchises to a different level. I mean, they've all the promise that they had they've lived up and surpassed all of it. And that that's pretty rare. They're both very, very special players in their own rights and in their own way. And they've been just phenomenal for the league. Yeah. Well, you enjoy the weekend. We know it's going to be a fun one. I always enjoy it. I, I wish I was in Florida, but instead I'm in Thunder Bay going to my daughter's production and then uh, off to the cabbage and can do a little bit of ice fishing. So different worlds, but you know, it's right. a break and it's enjoyment and you're you're enjoying sun, but you're working. So it's a little bit different for you. Yeah. But I mean, you enjoy going, sitting on a lake and fishing. I would not find that enjoyable. (laughs) Let's get to some trade speculation as we dive into headlines here. Start with the Vegas Golden Knights. Now, hey, shocking to no one would be the realization that Kelly McCrum and George McPhee, the Vegas Golden Knights are likely shopping for a big ad again, right? I mean, they've been down this road so many times. Prior to the news this week of Mark Stone having back surgery, which is going to keep him out of the lineup indefinitely, I knew that the Vegas Golden Knights were in the market for a forward. I didn't know whether they were big game hunting or, you know, they're just hoping to add a a piece. And in fairness to the Golden Knights, like so many clubs, you know, they, they can't truly assess because they're not healthy and they wanted to get healthy. But, you know, they would have known that, Stone's situation was serious, dating back to, I think it was January 12th, where he injured the back. When you look at that Vegas lineup, how big should McCremen be going here? You know, as 
I guess common sense would say he's going to go as, as far as he can within cap compliance, right? I mean, so we're probably talking about a significant piece here, I would think, up front. Well, I would be stunned, Drakes, if it wasn't. Uh, never in the short history of the Vegas Golden Knights have they been considered nibblers around the edges. I mean, they're they're in for everything. Any big acquisition, they seem to have some connection to it somewhat, somehow, without stone. So you take that $9 million salary that's going to go on LTI, and now they've got that to play with. You know, given it backs up for a month, they, they'll probably have potential to add one or two of the bigger names if they want. And, and I'm with you that the ads are up front. You know, that's where they would go. I just, I don't see them thinking we'll tiptoe around this. The reason being outside of Colorado, who are either the second wild card or they're not in the playoffs at this point, it feels like the, the conference is completely open. It's completely wide open. That's what it feels like. You know, I'm looking, I keep waiting for Seattle to back up a little bit. I keep waiting for Vegas to back up a little bit. I think the Oilers are going to make a run. I think Colorado is going to make a run. St. Louis is backing up. I'm like, man, there's nothing that seems similar to what you might think. So I think they'll go big or as big as they can. How So when you, as big as they can, I get that. And I agree with you. And, and, you know, it's so easy for teams and for fans to be drawn to what is the most obvious. And normally it's depending on restricted free agents, right? It's Horvat, it's Ryan O'Reilly, it's Tarasenko, Barbashev, go down the list. For me, I'm more intrigued always of the players who aren't in play. And that's why I look at like a Josh Anderson with the Montreal Canadiens. And I, I know I talked about this on insider trading on TSN, the Calgary Flames, Brad Trilliving has been looking at Josh Anderson since Josh Anderson was with the Columbus Blue Jackets. So whether it's a player like that or, and I mean, this is what pro scouting is all about though, isn't it right? You know, so we talk about the obvious candidates. But if it's Vegas that we're talking about here who wants to add that big piece, they could be looking at an Anderson. They could be looking at a player that we're not even considering being, even being remotely in play, right? Yeah, anybody. And I and I would say this is this is one thing that has changed a little bit here over the last couple of years, and that is the pro scouting, in that mm. it used to be kind of an afterthought. Yeah. Now a trade's made or a trade is being proposed, they go to the pro scout that's in charge of that team that's watched the Canadians play. If we're talking about John, Josh Anderson, he's watched Josh Anderson play 25 times this year. And he's written 25, 15 reports. If he's watched them 25 times on him. And so you get a a true feel of what's going on. You know, what is, what is he playing? Like how, you know, what, you know, where would he fit? What line would he fit? What price do we want to pay? All that sort of thing. So, this is the time the pro scouts really make their money here and just prior to free agency when teams are trying to figure out which free agents to sign. But there is, you know, uh, God, was it a couple of years ago, Anthony Mantha out of nowhere got traded from Detroit to Washington. It was at the deadline. It was a trade. It just, well, they were moving money around and moving players in extra years. And they got Jacob Verana, who unfortunately has gone off, you know, the rails a little bit and, is back from rehab and all that stuff, trying to get his game in order. But there, there's going to be a deal that we just don't suspect a player you might not right, think right. of. And, you know, yeah. you say Calgary and Brad Treliving and Josh Anderson. I've always had New Jersey in my head for Josh Anderson. I think he makes a lot of sense then. 
Yeah. And you know what? I mean, Some Vegas ice, has to be too that. Added it. Yeah. But see, yeah. Anderson doesn't fit in Vegas for me. You know, not me, really on that side. Yeah. No, to me, it's, it's something different for Vegas. Mm, okay. Hey, let's wrap up headlines. You know, the Vancouver audience or fan base there would uh, be displeased if I didn't get your response to the, the Bull Horvat trade, right? I mean, you know, you know, you weren't out of the mix per se, but that was an interesting deal. But I, you know what? I think that both sides got what they needed. You know, I think it's an interesting ad by Lou Lamarole and the New York Islanders. I think Bo is, is going to help that team move along. And I think Vancouver did real well in getting the three pieces that they did. What do you think? Well, I, I think if anybody thinks this is, you know, the rate that Bo Horvat's going to always score at, you know, like a 50 yeah, goal, yeah, 50, yeah. it's not. But Bo Horvat is yeah. going to score. He's big and he's going to be, he's going to, he's going to make the Islanders better. Now, can they get them him signed? I, it seems unlikely to me that Lou Lamarillo made this deal thinking he's not going to get him signed. Right. Like that, Agreed. that would be my, yeah. my view on that. The Canucks get a first round pick either this year or next. It's protected in the top 12. They, you know, they get a former first rounder and Anthony Beauvillier and they get Atu Ratu, Adi Ratu. I'm going to screw that name up. It's spelled Ratty for people that don't know. It's going to be hard, man. It's, I know, yeah. I know. And he's 20 years old. That's exactly the parameters they laid out in the trade that they were hoping to get. Now, how does the futures part of that play out? You don't know, but they got what they were looking for. The Islanders got what they were looking for. And maybe this yeah. is a trade in four or five years. You go, geez, both teams got a lot of runway out of that. But it, but it is the first one. So we'll, mm. you know, we'll have to see if that unlocks things. But I, I thought Vancouver did well in the deal. I was not surprised, even though some people might think I know, but I don't. I was not surprised yeah. they moved earlier rather than later. Just too many things can go wrong if you mm -hmm. hang on to such an obvious trade piece. Nonetheless, would be an injury. Well, much more trade speculation, likely a lot more coming out of Vancouver in the days and the weeks ahead. Those are your headlines. Thanks again to Boston Pizza. Our interviews on Ray and Dregs this season are brought to you by our good pals at Canadian Club, who are asking, are you over beer? Why not try a refreshing CC ginger ale next time you're having a drink, watching a game. Hi, it's Ray Ferraro. You've probably heard me talking about my friends at North Beach Agency and Craft Growth. They provide customized marketing solutions tailored to help grow businesses of all sizes. From results-driven marketing across TV, radio, and podcasts to websites, digital, social, out of home, and everything in between. They have the proven expertise to get the measurable results you need to get your business growing. You can visit craftgrowth.net and book your free business growth consultation now. That's craftgrowth.net. All right, here we go on the Rain Dregs podcast. Pleased to be joined again by former NHL general manager Dave Nonis, who frequents the podcast on a regular basis. I guess we'll get down to the business. It's All-Star Weekend, so there's a lot of celebrating, and there's a good amount of entertainment value going into the weekend, Dave. But let's look back at the Vancouver trade with the New York Islanders, right? Bo Horvat goes to the Islanders. So does a trade like that, you know, we're just less than a month from the March 3rd trade deadline. Does a trade like that spark the market, 
or is that just media driven because us in the media just want that market to generate a little bit more buzz value out there? It, it might spark it a little bit. I was a little bit surprised that it, it happened before All-Star Weekend. But I think in this situation, we have more teams this year that are trying to get in. Now, last year, I think it was clear, especially in the, in the East, which teams were getting in and which weren't it by this time. Now it's not so clear. And obviously, the New York Islanders feel it's pretty important for them to make a push, for them to try to step up right now and, and pay a pretty good price to get a really good player. You know, there's, there's a couple schools of thought on when you make a deal. Um, one is you wait to the end and you see what teams jump in, try to get kind of a bidding war. Right. But in this situation, it's pretty clear that, that uh, you know, Vancouver got what they were asking for. Why wait any longer and risk an injury? So if there's more teams that see this as happening, that are you know kind of in the same situation as the Islanders, they may not be in. They really feel like they have to get in, or a team that's mm. just barely hanging on. You know, this might pick up a little quicker than we would have originally expected. Okay, Dave. So if you're you're another team, maybe you're perhaps Dylan Larkin and and the Detroit Red Wings, or Ryan O'Reilly in the Blues, and even Jonathan Taves in in Chicago. Like, if you're one of those GMs, there goes one of the markets for a center. Does that pick your pace up a little bit? Does that make you a little more nervous, the Horvat trade? Yeah, I might a little bit. There's some different things that fall into it, and you touched on a couple of them already. Some of those players have protection. So yeah. they're gonna they're gonna dictate where they're going. If Jonathan Taze wants to get traded, he's gonna pick his team. You know, that's gonna impact it a little bit, but it might have teams step up with firmer offers quicker to see if they can land a player because you're right there's only so many chairs that are available to sit in and you know you, you don't want to be left out in the cold there's also the, the situation of which teams really want to make that deal you know is it the price going to be so steep that they're going to just you know pass or wait and see if the prices come down that's another you know school of thought too mm-hmm. listen you know whether or not you think that was too much to pay or not enough it was still a sub- substantial trade. There's no other way to look at it. There's some pretty good players and you know, on a first-round pick that went that way. There may not be a lot of teams that, that are necessarily going to make that trade, that are going to sit back and see if that price tag eventually drops. So there's a lot of factors that are going to go into this. It'll be very interesting to watch it as it plays out over the next several weeks. Okay, so you're, you're the general manager of the Boston Bruins. You've lost six games all year. And... Like, what do you do with that? I mean, yeah, you'd let, you know, if you can improve your team, sure. Do you, how tricky to bend to the chemistry of what's been an almost perfect season for them? You know, I think in, in a, you as a player have been around it a lot of times in terms of adding pieces at the deadline. I think it's pretty, it is pretty tricky when you have a team that's humming along like this. Every team in the league that I think is playing well would still love to add a player, you know, that would give them a little bit more depth, a little bit more, you know, of, of something they might be lacking. It's a it's a very long playoff grind. You know, you think mm-hmm. you can get through it with six or seven defensemen, you can't. You know, so you, you might want to still add, but I don't think you add just for the sake of adding. I don't think you want to disrupt that room. I don't think you want to disrupt the chemistry that they have. I think you look hard at trying to add a piece that complements all those players, but I don't think you try to add somebody just to say, you know what, we're doing something because that team is, you know, I I just don't see them slowing down. They have shown no signs of it. They might have a little bit of a blip here and there, but from top to bottom right now, if they can stay healthy, 
Mm. I think that he'll be very careful about what he adds to that group. Yeah, I've been around a long time, but I was never on a team that had six losses at the All-Star break. <laughs> we had six losses six in wins. October. <laughs> <laughs> With the Atlanta Thrashers, did you have six wins at the All-Star uh, break? We, not quite. We might have. That first year, we got hot <laughs> near the end to get to 14 <laughs> wins. So. <laughs> All right, all three of us are old enough to remember the good old days. And and we're I say that in the spirit of of the wheeling and dealing and the trading that never seems to happen as much as we'd like it from a again a media perspective, a fan standpoint in a salary cap era. So help us bridge the gap here, Dave. Take us back to the good old days, right? The pre-salary cap. I mean, was it organized chaos? When you looked at your team and the, the the trade deadline is coming, you didn't have to worry about the cap. You had to worry about your owner telling you whether you had money to spend or you didn't have money to spend versus now where I get the sense on an annual basis, there are managers and you were probably one of them. You, you feel like you're banging your head against the wall. You know that you want to get better. You can see how you maybe can get in the fight and contend for a Stanley Cup, but because of the financial restrictions, it's just next to impossible to do. So take us between both worlds. Yeah, it's a lot different now. I mean, first of all, pre-salary cap, there was the have and have nots. And, you know, that's just a fact. In Vancouver, we had a budget. Um, we, You know, there was no cap, but we had a budget. And if you're going to go above that budget, you had to get approval from ownership. Yeah. Um, even with that, you know, that budget, we had a healthy budget. We were still 50%, give or take, of what the Detroit Red Wings were, were paying their their players. So it was a it was a significant difference. You could you could make a trade back then and not worry about going over your budget because yeah. you could either get get more money down the road or as Pat Quinn used to say, I don't worry about the budget till June thirtieth. In other words, if I'm over my five million bucks, I'll find a way of balancing it, but I don't have to do it today. <laughs> that's not the case now. <laughs> that's not the case now. Your your cap is you have to deal with it. You can't go over it and say I'll fix it by June. It, it's not like that. So. It is a lot different. You know, when we when we traded Pavel Burry to Florida, you know, that was a, in a non-cap era, but it had some significance for both teams. Florida paid a record price at that time for a player. You know, I think it was over $8 million per season. I think the last year of that deal was $10 million bucks. We brought in Ed Jovanovsky, who we were paying $2-plus million to, and that gave us the flexibility of down-the-road signing, you know, Marcus Nazland and players that were going to earn more money. Um, it made it easy to do for both teams because there was no restrictions on where you could go. Today, it'd be pretty difficult to move players that are going to make, you know, eight, nine, 10 million bucks. It's just, it's almost impossible. So it is a lot different. I think that the managers have done a good job over time adjusting to the changes. It took a while to get the, you know, the nuances correct and into how you put your team together, but I still think there's some, there's some growth there for teams to improve on, on how they manage their own cap and give themselves flexibility to make a deal as you get close to the deadline. Because I think that that's still a very exciting part of the of the game and the season is seeing which teams add players and the impact that they have at the end of the day. Um, so as you're talking about that, I'm thinking of the ad, the adage of, you know, your teams are built in the summer and you tweak them uh, during the season, if at all possible. So when a GM is putting that roster together in July and August, I mean, if if I can see it, they certainly can. That there is no room past this roster I put together. So is there any thought of keeping back a little money in the summer? Or is that, nah, then I'm not using enough of my cap. Like, to me, it seems like it's just a cul-de-sac. You just keep going up there and turn around and come back again. No, 
when I talked about there's some things that we can learn, I think you just learned it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I think the teams that leave a little bit of space uh, and have that money grow as the season goes, they put themselves in a position to add some someone good, an impact player, if in mm-hmm. fact their team is able to challenge down the road. And when I say about when I say a little bit of money, you know, if you look at saving two million dollars off the cap, two and a half million, and I know I don't have the calculation in front of me, but that cal- that number grows dramatically. That's you're, you're talk- talking about a player yeah. that or two players that are that could make up to ten or fifteen, twenty million dollars. Yeah. So I also think Ray, you have to look, be honest to where you, where your team is at, and you know, adding a two or three million dollar player for your team when it really doesn't have a chance to compete or it's just on its way up. I think that that's where managers have to be really transparent with ownership and with their fan base. And I think if you do that and you can keep some room, you can use that space to either get better or to take assets on if your team isn't quite good enough. All right. Well, be honest with us here with the trade deadline looming. I mean, we're asked the same thing as we do our radio cycle and other podcasts and the variety of things we do, how busy you think it's going to be. There's tons of speculation and there are some good players that we know are in play. You know, O'Reilly's got to get healthy. What's Vegas going to do? Stone is out indefinitely. Tarasenko in St. Louis, go down the list. But that doesn't always translate into activity beyond what we normally see on trade deadline day, which is depth changes, right? So do you expect, do you get a sense of the people you're talking to, it's going to be more involved with some of these bigger players? I think there'll be several substantial moves this year just because of the way it's playing out and the number of players that are on teams that may not be meeting expectations and these players are UFAs. I think that they will they will get moved. So I, I do expect there's going to be some, when I say significant, I think interesting trades, maybe more interesting than the last couple of years. I think that the depth trade is still going to be the mm. bulk of the deals that we see go forward because right. it's only so many people that can take on some of the players you mentioned, whether it's the assets they want to give up or the salaries that they're, you know, that they have. So I think there'll be a little bit of both dregs. I also think the one issue that we're seeing a little bit is injuries. Yeah. Uh, and if, you know, what you pay for a player that we all think he's going to come back and be a hundred percent, but that, that may not be the case. So there might be a little bit of negotiation that's involved there, you know, prior to the to the deadline, and if any of these trades are actually completed, that involve the the injury status of some of these players. Good deal. All right, Dave. Well, we'll leave it there. You got some snowmobiling to get to, and Ray's in Florida. I'm in Thunder Bay, Ontario, where it's crispy here too. It's like minus twenty seven Celsius. Yeah, so. yeah. Gonna... I know. I know. <laughs> One of it's us like made old... a smart choice. Just like the old days in trail, Ray. Oh, yeah, but the old days in trail, I was younger and I had a better hat, so I wasn't too worried about it. Thanks for joining us, Dave. All right, thanks for having me. All right, let's check in with Chris Abbott from Batano.ca. Batano.ca, now available in Ontario. Remember, Batano says the game starts now. And and look, I got to take it between the eyes here. Went in hard on... The, the conference championships, right? I felt like that was the separation point. I had to be bold, separate a little bit of space between myself, Chris Abbott. Failed miserably. Lost both. Yeah, 49ers debacle. Bengals didn't quite get it done. Mahomes was a machine, right, Chris? Literally. I mean, the guy could still run the ball with a high ankle sprain. He does everything he can do. So I'm 
pretty much out of the competition as far as the Rain Dregs podcast goes. Well, if you're out of it, then I'm out of it too, because I think I'm just a game ahead of you. So I don't know if we need to put a crown on Ray. He suggested we do five <laughs> bets for the Super Bowl. Maybe we need to do 10. I don't know what it's going to have to be, but you know what? I think that was the right move, despite the fact that you lost. A yeah. second place is the first loser. So you did what you had to do. Granted, you know what's better than finishing second is not finishing last, if that makes sense, which I think you're going to do now. So, Okay, okay. I, I, really, you, right? you know, I, I think you guys should be commended for your efforts this year. You tried hard. <laughs> yeah, um, thanks. I, I, was, I really felt like, you know, I was never in danger, and but I thought, look at these guys, wow. the try harder group. They're really good. So I, I feel good for you guys in that. that you, you never jumped you know, the gate five and zero oh, though, right? Like five and zero, oh, and you were like off. So okay, so New the Jersey, you're what twelve and seven going into the Super Bowl? I don't know. Well, New stumbled. Jersey got off to that big run. They are in. <laughs> you know, that's the way it goes. Ray had the he had the yell. He had the yellow jersey from day one. He didn't lose it in the mountains, and now he's coming home the home. Like he's going to cross the finish line, not even pedaling the bike. No uh, glass of champagne in my hand, uh, pedaling by. <laughs> so, I mean, obviously, we're looking forward now to the Super Bowl. We've got a week to just kind of breathe and get ready and amp up all the excitement in the gambling world and whatnot. Uh, I don't know, Abs, where you want to go with this? I mean, is it is it the obvious with a favorite or is there something far more compelling? I mean, what are you looking at going into it? Well, I, I mean, you always got to bet on a winner. You got to have something to cheer for. It's interesting. The lines moved around a little bit. Philly's now one and a half point favorite as we speak here today. I think if the Chiefs were fully healthy, maybe you're looking at a pick them where the Chiefs are a favorite based on their recent history. But I was listening to Ross Tucker yesterday and he gave a compelling breakdown just talking about the depth of the Eagles. And when you mm-hmm. compare that with the amount of injuries that KC is dealing with right now. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's going to it's going to be a tough one. So one thing I am looking at is Marquez Valdez Scantling to score a touchdown. It's plus 260 right now. The receiving core is in a lot of trouble and and as soon as he got the green and gold, it seems like once he got rid of that, he learned how to catch the ball. So yeah, <laughs> I think that might be a play that I'll make in this one. Yeah. I, All right. I just ahead, I think right? it's Philadelphia I think it's Philadelphia's. I I just think it's, for some reason I just have this gut that it's Philadelphia. I'll, when we get there and we get the line, I'll probably yeah. tease it, as you know. Okay, but but <laughs> Abs talked about this last week and and mentioned it a minute or two ago. You know, we do have to come up with four or five different options mm-hmm. here, correct? Yeah. So I'll leave that to you guys. Chris is the expert, so do you know Ray? You you dabble like you like to get creative with your teases and all this stuff that goes into that. Are you good if Chris presents? Okay, here are the five. No. wagers options whatever that we're going to compete in <laughs> no no because he's going to pick something that's to his advantage the first one wow. guaranteed is the coin flip that has to go on second one has to be first score field goal or touchdown so those are two okay yeah. we got the over under it's right. three yeah and then you can pick a couple cockamamie things that you're going to find in there with some <laughs> whatever you've got going on some kind of I don't know he's genre. challenging you abs uh, he's challenging you here to get creative oh that's no sweat because when I'm looking at what our our odds makers have come up with there's yeah. there's no shortage of options so I'll, I'll come up with, are the best. with something I mean we've got the halftime props we've got the Gatorade prop but yeah I know what you're saying Ray we want it to be a <laughs> yes or no type of situation yeah, yeah. but 
Yeah. yeah. Well, there's there's plenty here. I mean, okay. If, well, I'm not putting you on the to, spot here. Yeah. If you don't have to, to decide here today, we'll figure it out. Ray is just worried his 12 and seven record is going to be in jeopardy with you pushing at nine and ten. I think that's what he's Hang concerned on. with. That a uh, pushing at nine and ten. <laughs> <laughs> It sounds well, like you're painting I mean, the narrative of a game that nobody wants to watch, which is the game between us that nobody, it's already, yeah, that's come fair, up with that's stuff. Right. Yeah, that's right. Fair. The underdog right. story. Okay, well, we'll continue to chew on this leading up to Super Bowl. Man City Tottenham, you want to talk about that. I mean, obviously in the Ferraro household, that's that's a game of interest, I would think. It is. It is. Man City, believe they're on the road. And, yeah, they're uh, on the road, right? Yeah. Uh, Rob Gray told us the. Uh, yeah. I'm just going straight, straight goals here. I'm taking the over of two and a half. Man City will get a couple for sure. Right. Interesting. Okay. Man City so over a big two and favorite and here minus minus one thirty three to win. I I don't know. I'll be a contrarian. I'll take Tottenham to win or draw, even though I don't think that's a very good play. Hmm. <laughs> what a bet i don't think yeah. it's a good play and i'll take I, it anyway <laughs> yeah well Love it. i'll let i'm i'm just gonna let you two guys box it around here because it doesn't have any implication on our overall nfl bet so rob grace submitted this thinking that it'd be a nice little fun twist so anyway all right, right yeah here. that's okay tottenham to tottenham to winner tie is plus 112 so that's a fair that's a fair bet i like the underdog play let's go with it Okay. All right, buddy. Well, let's say it's Friday as we're posting. Uh, yeah, I guess we'll have to do another one on Tuesday. I'll be at the cabbage. So it's, we're going to test Western Canada's Wi-Fi situation. But <laughs> at that point, we'll start to really drill down on the Super Bowl and your best five wagers for the Rain Dregs podcast, Chris. For sure. Hope you have a good weekend. And if, if people happen to catch this before the skills competition, there's betting markets up for all of that as well. But nice. Ray, are you in Florida, Ray? I am. I'm uh, not part of the skills. I just uh, just have the game on Saturday afternoon. So skills are always fun. There's uh, some pretty fun events and different, yeah. of course. So, um, But there'll be, uh, there'll be a few wagers, I'm sure, that, that people can get into <laughs> as well. All right, cool. Enjoy that. It's minus 27 here or something like that. Yeah, yeah I will. Yeah, it's a little warm outside. I'm, I've got to be careful. <laughs> All right, Chris, thanks for doing this, man. Thanks, guys. See you later. And it's time for Ask Rain Dregs. Anything, you can send us your questions to our socials, Twitter, Instagram, at Rain Dregs, or the website, raindregs.com. Ask Rain Dregs Anything is brought to you by Dewar, the world's most comfortable pants for men and women. Remember, new customers, you can use code RNDPANTS and you will save 15% off everything at doer.ca. To the website, Ray, from Hugo, hot take, hot take, white hot take on All-Star Weekend. Hugo says, let's get rid of it. It is an underwhelming product. It slows down the season. It ruins the remaining schedule. What is the point of seeing Connor McDavid play at 50% when you can watch him at 110%? Ray, what say you to Hugo's hot take? Well, the game used to be so much more to all of us uh, because in a lot of ways, we couldn't see the player. Like I'm talking about way back. We couldn't yeah. see players. We couldn't, you know, like, and you'd say, oh my gosh, so-and-so's wearing number 31. He usually wears number 30. He's playing with this guy. and 
however it goes, right? Now you mm. see the players all the time. There's less of a, a curiosity to it. But this game isn't so much for the broad audience. It's for the local audience. Yeah. It's for the sponsors. Uh, it is a thank you, an event, and it's fun in the local community. So that's why the game's it not is. going anywhere. If, you, if you're, Excellent. you know, I look at the NFL, they got this year, they're going to dodgeball and all kinds of things because football and hockey are the yeah. two toughest sports to play an all-star game in. Like, yeah, just hard. Like nobody wants to run into each other. Like who wants to do that? I got to do that 82 you? other games. No, thank you. I've got two questions, one including Mario Lemieux and the other including Wayne Gretzky. I mean, how do you how do you get through Oscar and Riggs anything without respecting those two questions? So here we go. One is from Andrew. Andrew says, hey, here in the UK, we didn't get NHL coverage in the 80s and 90s like we do today. But I was wondering if Connor McDavid had the support cast that Wayne Gretzky did in his Oilers heydays. Would Connor McDavid be on par in being the best hockey player of all time? I think Connor McDavid is the best hockey player of all time. So you don't, you don't have to go back to the Gretzky heydays, right? I don't because I don't think Stanley Cups are the measure of whether you're the greatest player of all time. Like, why would that? Right. Why would that matter? Yeah. The 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 question laid out why you shouldn't because he doesn't have the same supporting cast is that collection of hall of famers that gretz played with mm. man yeah i do i just think Connor mcdavid's the most evolved player of all time i don't think there's been a player that could skate like him score like him uh yeah uh, pass like him at the speed that he goes like i just think it's amazing to watch him play and to do what he does. He's on point on pace for 150 plus points. Like that does not happen. Mm, doesn't. So happen. no, man, I, I think the world of Wayne Gretzky as a player and as a person, you're splitting the finest of hairs by the time this is all over. You know, it's like, is Ovi the greatest goal scorer of all time? Oh, if he gets the most number of goals, I'm going to say yes. He is. It was, unbe <laughs> yeah, it was unbelievable yesterday. Connor McDavid said, I don't consider myself a goal scorer. You know who else never considered themselves a goal scorer? Wayne Gretzky. He's got 890 yeah, goals yeah. or whatever he's got. <laughs> like it's, these guys are at such a different level. Like they play from a different yeah. planet. And so, yeah, I, I just think McDavid's the most evolved player that we've ever seen. So I've been sitting on this question for a while. It's an older question from, from Eric. Mm -hmm. And it just fits with the Wayne Gretzky question that you just answered. So Eric is saying, I know 66 isn't retired league-wide and only a couple here and there have won it or worn it, sorry, since Mario Lemieux re retired. Would there be a general consensus that the number is just flat-out retired and you don't wear 66? I can't imagine a player wearing it, to be honest with you. I remember, I think, did Josh Hosang wear it? Yeah, right? I think he, so. Right? That's, yeah, I think he did. Yeah, I think he did. Like yeah. if I'm coming out of junior, <laughs> okay. So let me let me put myself. I come out. I've got 108 goals. Yeah, as I did coming out of Brandon. I think I'm something else. Yes. There's not You're a chance. Good. I'm not a chance. I'm going. You know what I should do? I should wear Mario's number. Not a chance. Yeah. I don't think anybody would. I don't think anybody would wear it. I really okay. don't. This is you. And if they, but by the right way, out of if, the park. Hang on. Drake's, but if they did wear it, yeah, yeah. So what? If it's available, wear yeah. it. If you think you want to, I wouldn't. 
So I just quickly Googled and I came up with an NHL.com piece. I don't know what year this is. It doesn't matter. But Mary Lemieux said that he has no problem with New York Islanders rookie Joshua Hosang wearing number 66. Quote, I'm fine with it, Lemieux told the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. It's just a number. Number four and number nine were worn by great players, of course, Orr and Gordie Howe, and they're not retired forever. Players can choose whatever number they want. There okay, you go. But see, that's a, now we know. It's funny, like, when Mario brings up Bobby Orr and Gordie Howe, the players today yeah. would wear four and nine and never even give it a second thought. There'll be yeah. a year, I don't know when it's going to be, but 66 is not going to matter unless it's retired. Right. right. Some kid yeah. born yesterday is going to get to the NHL in 18 years and go, oh, it's my favorite number. What about Mario Lemieux? And he's yeah. going to be like, he played in the 90s. Yeah. This is uh, going to be in the 2040s. My, my son wore number nine for a good number of his minor hockey years. And I mean, it didn't bug me, I guess, because he doesn't really know why he's wearing number nine. He likes number nine. He's not looking in the history books and has no reference, you know. But, you know, more than a few people chirped about why is he wearing number nine? Because he likes number nine. That's why he's wearing number yeah. nine. And, he's a, and that's the word. All right. Yeah. We, we've got to award uh, some swag, right? Ray and Dregs swag to the question of the week on Ask Ray and Dregs. We're giving away some merchandise, got some golf shirts, including Nike golf shirts, thanks to Canadian Club Whiskey. What do you think? Andrew with the question on Wayne Gretzky, Hugo with his hot take on All Star, Eric with number 66. And is it consensus? Like Don't touch one, that number. I like okay. the Wayne Gretzky one. I got to be honest with you. Well, that's this might be a challenge. I mean, it's it's Andrew from the UK. It's Andrew from the UK. So we might get in trouble with the bosses here. There could be some shipping fees that we're going to have to absorb, but we'll do it. Anyway. Uh, you can I'll pick it up, Drake. That's a hell of a move by you. Okay. All right, buddy. So you're in Florida for what? A couple of days, get to the All-Star game and then head home. Yeah, head home Sunday morning, home for three days. And then I'm coming back to Tampa for game next Thursday. And, you know, that'll be the end of the break. And, you know, teams will be back into into it again. How about yourself? You're going out to the cabbage. Yeah. What kind of fish do you catch? Going to the cabbage. It's what a kind good of fish question. Like, they'll, they'll be, yeah, I mean, primarily walleye. I would wonder about perch this time of year. It's, it's unusual fishing, though, because we're so used to hit all the time in the summer. You, you got to be patient when you're ice fishing on Lake of the Prairies. It's, they're not just hammering every couple of minutes. There's no real... I don't, I'm not, I don't ice fish very often. To me, I sit there, you know, my nephew's got a TV in the hut and it's, you know, there's, okay, a, there's like, like a wood burning. What's the appeal of it? All what's the stuff. appeal of it, man? I don't get it. You're sitting there, you're maybe having, you know, a CC and ginger ale, maybe if, if you're inclined, you know, you're, sure. you're chatting with with family you've probably got a little sausage going on the wood stove some snacks and in the background you've got maybe a tv or the music going so it's all about the socialization of it all and less about the fish. does it not sound like your living room and the barbecue out back yes but it's it's out on the lake on the ice it's what we do yeah boo no good times mm-hmm. i'm glad i, I, I i'm awesome. gonna take great time I'll take some pictures and I'll I'll send it to our socials. You never know, buddy. You might. I mean, you're not the most patient no, human being I've ever met. 
Yeah. So no, I, but I do, I, I do know. I just, I just drank. First of all, I think fishing is stupid. <laughs> I mean, you I, like fish, ridiculous. you eat fish. Why? I eat fish. You catch like, them all, eat them, all that stuff. Yeah. However, to go there and throw your line in the water and hope some fish swims along and is hungry. Yeah. I don't get it. To go do it when I've got a bundle up. Oh, not yeah. a chance. So, you know, what we used to do, and I don't know that they still do it. Quick fishing story, especially in a hut. We used to take, you know, we'd, we'd boil up eggs. So hard boiled eggs, we'd peel them. Sure. We'd throw all the shells into the hole. They'd sink to the bottom. And then you had a reflection. So if the water was even a little bit murky, you could still see the white eggshells at the bottom of the lake from, you know, you're talking about eight, 10 feet of water. You're not talking about 30 feet. And then you could see the fish okay. meandering by. That's oh, how we trick. knew. We were about to catch fish. Yeah. Well, go Big boil crack. some eggs. All right, go buddy. boil some eggs, man. Yeah, I got a lot to do here in the next little bit. So we'll connect next, I guess next Tuesday. We're going to have to continue Tuesday, on probably. with the podcast, I think so, yeah. episode 38. Yeah. All right. You'll be back. Everybody home. have a great weekend. Uh, I'm hoping. Yep. Have a great weekend. I hope you, if you're watching the All-Star, I hope you like it. And if yeah. you're going fishing out on the ice, have a good weekend. And we'll talk to you next week. <laughs> All right. Huge shout out to our partners, Ray, who make podcasts possible. Our title sponsor, good friends at Canadian Club, who ask, are you over beer? By Boston Pizza, pick it up or get it delivered to your door. Let Boston Pizza do the cooking tonight. Botano.ca, now available in Ontario. Botano says the game starts now. And by doer, use code RNDPANTS, and you will save 15% off everything at doer.ca. Thanks for listening and subscribing to episode 37 of the Ray and Drake's Hockey Podcast. Enjoy All-Star, stay safe, and we will reconnect next week. Join us on Tuesday. Thanks, everybody.